0: Hello, and welcome to The Laddercast, where we teach you how to leverage your assets to change your life. I'm Sorcha Porter, and in 2016, I bought my first home, which completely changed the trajectory of my life. I turned that property into a business, a trip around the world, a new career, and quadrupled my household income. And now, I'm a real estate agent licensed in Oregon and Washington.
1: And I'm Shannon McAllister. After finishing college with a degree in finance, I was in a job I hated but couldn't quit because I wasn't making enough money. I signed up for a class to learn about mortgages taught by a real estate investor. 17 years later, I'm a nationally licensed mortgage lender, homeowner, and investor myself. We aim to educate how getting on the property ladder by owning just one home can change lives. It changed ours.
0: Hello, and welcome back to The Laddercast. Cast. Today, we're talking about buying versus renting, specifically why buying is generally more beneficial overall and oftentimes less expensive than renting. We're going to break down the math and talk you through it, and we're going to use a personal example from my finances of my first home purchase as, an, as a way to essentially talk through it and give you an idea of what to expect and how a real person Has taken their home and turned it into money for themselves.
1: That's exciting. We've been talking kind of in theoreticals up to this point about the functions and mechanics of how you get a mortgage, how you buy a house, things to look for. Now we're going to talk about how people are actually doing it. That's exciting.
0: It is really exciting. It is. And, and I also just like want to, we want to make sure that, you know, like we actually did it. We were normal people at one point who didn't work in this industry and wanted to buy a home. You're still a normal person. I'm, well, I'm still a normal, well, you know, it depends yeah. on who you ask, but I am <laughs> still a normal person. Um, but I think there's this perception that people who own homes just like have a lot of money to start off with. And I want to, you know, really break it down for you and be very transparent about my transaction. So much so that Shannon and I actually went back and looked up all the numbers because it's been almost a decade and I didn't really remember everything. And, and just kind of walk you through it, walk you through what I did, where I started, where my husband and I started and, you know, let you know that you can do it too, because we started with very little. Correct,
1: and if you remember from Sorsha's story, she used this house to make a huge life change, which propelled her and her husband onto different careers and put them on a different path altogether. Yeah. That's the power of owning a home, and we're going to take you through how she did that.
0: Yep. So first off, we want to kind of break down why we feel buying is generally better than renting. Specifically, the the points we're going to talk through today are the benefits of using your home as essentially a forced savings account because you get to save the principal that you pay down, it's it's not going to anyone else. When you're paying rent, all of it goes to your landlord. But when you're paying a mortgage to yourself, you get to keep the principal. It goes into account and it comes back to you when you sell or refinance. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are tax write-offs that mm-hmm. you can take into account as savings. There's depreciation
1: potentially. Mm-hmm appreciation appreciation right your home is going to increase in value over the years yep and most importantly and the thing that we are
0: always talking about on this podcast is the agency and authority over your home and your space that you can then leverage to make other sources of income and money for yourself which you can't always do when renting you'd have to have a real chill landlord you know you can i i know people who are turning their gardens into cut flower gardens and doing weddings on the weekends because they're able to build flower beds in their backyard because they own their home. Right. I know people who are renting not like without having rooms rented, renting spaces that they would otherwise not be using to create income like part of their driveway. So we're not going to get into that all today, but more so we just want you to think about the things that you're not able to do as a renter that could potentially be sources of income for you as a homeowner.
1: Yeah, we're going to cover those. We actually have another episode planned coming up where we're going to go through just a quick top 10 ways you can make money on the home that you own that doesn't involve living, living with another human because you're like me, roommates aren't for you. Yeah. Just but journey. That doesn't was mean that you can't figure out ways to turn it home We looked for over and a half, saw over a hundred properties. To. But today, put in like we're more than talk forty about offers.
0: Went into escrow four or five times, fell Puts out of escrow four two, three or four times before we ended up in this house. A lot of the, the reason for that was and if we weren't like, previously and working with a good realtor. The realtor who helped us buy our home did an amazing job. His name's John Lowe. Which is pretty awesome. Shout out to John. Love you. Um Okay. But tell us while we're talking
1: Seasonal, what I did do John do for you so specifically for this swimming house that you bought it's it Maybe I'm trying really hard not to do it <laughs> <other real laughs> so that being me, me. said let's um,
0: let's be very transparent More about Sorsha's mother and jump into <laughs> Let's let's dig into her make he again. Today. My expectations. He was good. I am a pretty bold personality, I'll put it that way. I think I think that I tend to intimidate people. And one of the things that a lot of realtors will do, especially ones who are newer and are worried about losing clients or making money, they will just tell you whatever you want to hear. And so I was getting a lot of people telling me what I wanted to hear and not what I needed to hear. And John was able to navigate my very bold personality and push back. When I needed to hear it, he was able to set my expectations around what tell was us reasonable quick, t- tell and help me while weigh we're options about John. in what a diplomatic did John way do for you specifically that previous with realtors this hadn't done. He also knew the market really well, and he was a great negotiator. Realtors, namely, maybe um, the
1: first one you We'll talk with about it, but he was able to get my you closing
0: you costs paid. And, didn't do and he was able to negotiate best. the sellers putting a new roof on the house, which we would not have been able to afford on our own in the two years that we owned it. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, but let's jump in. <laughs> of twenty six in 2016. Um, so my first house was a three-bedroom, one-bath um, in a neighborhood called Lentz, which someone had told me was previously nicknamed Felony Flats. Yeah, it's definitely a neighborhood in transition. It's starting to become one of the hottest neighborhoods in the city, though. It's... I like that. I would be okay with that. I actually still live in Lentz in a different house because I see the property values going up so rapidly. And I know that this neighborhood is going to be, well, it, it has been and is going to continue to be a great investment. But it's not for everyone. And that was one of the things that John had to tell me. He's like, you're going to have to make compromises in location. And so we did. We, we bought in in Lentz on a nice street. Um, okay. Here comes Sources Bank again. And we paid 265 $265,000 okay. at the uh, end of 2016. So my first house was a three-bedroom one. And, organ, and um, you, you did an f mortgage? Sure did. Couldn't qualify for anything else. Uh, and uh, we p- still... is. gets yeah. in it's, it's definitely... F&J okay. okay. so mortgage minimum down payment down on
1: f and mortgage. mortgage is... We're petitioning to rename the like Hipster Flats. Okay. I like yep, Come on. I would be so okay that. That. I down still in a like, different five thousand five thousand dollars I dollars. You your down payment and was dollars.
0: Yep, and I'm going to tell you guys right now. My dad helped me. He gave me seven thousand dollars. Me and my husband, and the other wa- the other money was actually from a trust that my grandfather had led to me. It didn't have a lot of money in it, but it was enough to cover the difference there. It was $2,100. It was more than that. But we needed also money in reserve for our loan. So that's what that money did was was provide that for us. Because we were living very much month to month at that point. And we knew that that getting into our home was going to be Whatever gets it done is what gets done. we were willing to scrape those things together. FHA mortgage minimum down payment on an FHA
1: mortgage is 3.5%. And that's what you did. Okay. And 3.5% down of $265,000 is... $9,100. $9,100. You your had your down payment paid. was $9,100. Yep. And I'm going to tell you this right now. So that means <laughs> total pocket from any <laughs> inspections. And and the other money was actually from uh, trust load load was a trust that my grandfather sent to. It was $9,100. But it was
0: yeah. enough to yep. cover
1: that it the it
0: difference Is It $2,100. And the other thing was like. Our closing costs were paid. They put a new roof on, so which was a huge happened. benefit. Was, was um, we an agent's ability to negotiate repair, re- repairs repairs big repairs like that are huge and on your you first home.
1: To, if, if you yeah. already don't have money so for we're down, down, so down we're payment family, we gifted by family, and you're looking at the cost. Okay, so we did 3.5% down for $9,100 that was gifted by family members, which is still acceptable in today's FHA world. And you told us before that John negotiated the seller it, pay is, it for is a all huge costs closing cost it is much more expensive now so that than it was means back in 2016. total out of pocket costs <laughs> separate from any inspections or things oh my God. you may have done because was those amazing. are not loan so costs. fha
0: loans as you was guys 90, know from other episodes from we've done have specific requirements cool. about the the condition okay. of the property particularly around wood to earth con- like dirt to wood contact and plants mm-hmm. and things around the home and we and strapping water heaters to walls and things like that John literally went to the house yeah. the week before. I, who, if, our if you already appraisal don't have the money for and did all of those things, and they we're having to refuse. have it gifted by family. Were like we're not doing and anything you're else, looking at the and he tried to explain to the sales agent that like requires it's a roof not going to qualify for an FHA loan if these soon. things don't get done. Who and if you, and you already don't, don't have, have the money, you're certainly not going to get that. The saga that, very that we had been on, and him just being a wonderful person, he was like, I'm just going to go over and do it. Like he like went over and dug dirt away from the side of the house and crawled under the house to strap things, other things. I mean, it was amazing. the I before I became a realtor, I referred everyone to him because he was so incredible in that deal. We
1: still mm-hmm. do norms, all <laughs> yep. We yes, the he's perfect. awesome. So we did a 265 and purchase price, 3.5% and and down, with an efficient whole mortgage at an interest edge, rate and of 3.25%. Yep. Nope. So not like shabby, John which makes for a total monthly so payment, all included, movement. of about $1630 30 per month.
0: Yep, so what I would give day day. to have that payment so again. We <laughs> That's okay. Yep. All right. So, but what doing. were you and paying? Like, in I'm just, rent. just gonna go over and do it. Like he like went fourteen hundred a month, and it was a one bedroom, five hundred square foot apartment with no yard on the second floor that I had to schlep all my groceries up and downstairs. We only had one parking spot. Right. Um, and we, you know, shared walls. And we still do, and this is where social learned um, all
1: her excellent yeah, real apartment living. Skills. I mean,
0: it was a great first right. place. Uh, right. So we did we 265 first place, but we price, were like bigger, particularly efficient mortgage at an interest to rate of
1: 3.25%, which is not shabby, which makes for a total correct. monthly payment, correct, all included, of about sixteen thirty per month. That includes principal and interest, taxes, insurance, and FHA mortgage insurance. Oh, my God. We felt like we were in the dog hall. <laughs> but that's okay. We, we move on. <laughs> All right. So, but what were you paying in rent? Yep. And, and that alone was
0: totally worth it for us. Ooh. The fact that I didn't have to get up and go on a 20-minute walk every morning at 7 a.m. with my dog, worth 230 bucks. Nice. Absolutely. Nope.
1: Good. Yeah, so these are things and, like um, apartment living. There, apartment living. I mean, it was a I mean, great. First place when you own a um, home, we liked that to to first place. Things, but we were like such as great things off to have on your taxes. Sure. Okay, so fourteen hundred dollars a month in rent so on a shoebox shoe of an apartment versus sixteen thirty per month on a proper liability. house with a proper yard. At that time, the standard deduction for a person was about four thousand per month. Could you have taken that standard deduction if you did not own a home? Sure, couldn't. Okay. So $4,000 deduction on taxes per month divided by 12 months is $333 per month on your taxes. So the fact that you bought that house on your tax return now means that you're saving $333. If we offset that with the increased mortgage payment of $260 per month. 230 Whoops, $230. we are now actually up $103 per month. Which is pretty cool. We got $103 bucks extra a month, basically. At the and end of the three year. times the amount of space and a yard. Yeah. Yep. Bingo. And multiple parking spots. <laughs> Bingo. This is what we're looking for. At the end of the day, there are there are other things in here we're not accounting for. All the other nuances of taxes and depreciation, yeah. all these other things. But at rough, fast math. You moved up three times the space, yard, parking spaces, and you're actually coming out ahead $100 a month overall at the end of the year. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was it was awesome. We were so pumped.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. This is what we're going for. Everybody should be pumped, right? And so you were in that house how long? We were there about two years, almost exactly. Okay. And you sold it? We did.
0: Why? Um, we were both fairly unhappy with our jobs and the circumstances in our life. And our our house was our largest asset. We initially had planned to purchase a multi-unit after um, selling this house. And that ended up just not working out for us. Um, So we ended up taking that money, investing in our skill set, and the end result was ultimately like a quadruple increase in our income, more agency for ourselves and a whole bunch of other benefits that I've talked about in past podcasts. But in short, we sold it because we, it was our biggest asset and we knew we could leverage that asset
1: into a better life for ourselves. Excellent. So let's do that math quick. Let's see how that really worked out and how you did that. Yep. So we sold in 2019, just over two years, and you walked from closing with a check of? About 60000
0: Now, I want to point out that one of the things that we did throughout our ownership was anytime I got extra money, I was throwing that money at our principal. So if I had just paid the minimum payment, it likely wouldn't have been that high sure. of a number. Um
1: But you're paying yourself. That was that forced savings
0: account that we said at the beginning. I was like, I got a few hundred extra. We're putting it towards the principal because I knew I would get it back. Sure. It's forced savings account. Yep. Forced savings.
1: Yeah. The more you pay down your principal, you get it back when you sell.
0: And at the end of the day, like, you know that you have to have a house. You may as well have that house functioning in other ways for you financially. Absolutely.
1: So you walked with a check of $60,000 which let's talk about that for a fast second. If you had to borrow 9000 in the first place essentially to get into the house. Yep. And you leave with an extra 60. That's a huge check for someone who couldn't oh come up with $9000 2 years ago. Our after-tax income at that time was
0: around the mid 50s, like 53000ish I think. For the both of you for combined? For both the both of us combined. Like that was that was more than we were making after take at take home per year. And you just made a full year's income by the sale of your home. Yep. Awesome, more than a full year. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. I was like, it was the most terrifying and surreal feeling when I took that check <laughs> to
1: the bank. Is it gonna cash? <laughs> but they, yeah. all, they always, they always clear. Yeah, they do. Checks from the escrow account always clear. Yep. So that's good. And so, if we do a little extra mental math and do some magicianing in your head to think through these things, you lived there for two years. When you sold it, you left with a check for $60,000. Yep. Which means roughly you made $30,000 per year for every year that you lived in that house.
0: Yeah. I don't know anyone who's got a side hustle that's doing that for them with, at the, at the level of income that we were at at that time. Yeah. Um I mean, this your house could be a whole side hustle if you wanted it to be, if you were smart about it. it
1: takes work, it's not easy. Yeah. You, it's not t- it's a years it's long it's not game. effortless. No. None of it <laughs> is. It shouldn't be.
0: But yeah. And I also like want to put out there that this, because it was our primary residence that we occupied for more, uh, for two years Mm -hmm. uh, out of the five, the past five years, we didn't have any tax on that income. So I think there's going to be a lot of people out there that are like, well, you didn't talk about the taxes. There were no taxes. There were no taxes on
1: that income. That is part of the, the untaxed portion Home ownership benefit. You yep. own a primary residence and you live in it for two years. Your gains are tax-free at this point. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. Let's tie that back to rent. So you roughly made $60,000 in two years. Yep. Previously, you were renting a shoebox for $1,400 per month. Yep. $1,400 per month times 24, the two years that you spent in your home, is $33,600. If you'd stayed in that shoebox, you would have paid $33,600 to live in a shoebox on the second floor.
0: Yep. Yep. It was I mean, when you lay out the math, it was kind of a no-brainer. And I just like want to reiterate that like we were not we were not rich. We weren't we didn't have a lot. We we scraped and scramped and You were hunted. young
1: and figuring it out. Yeah, we were like 23,
0: 24.
1: Goodness. I was a baby.
0: Goodness. It was almost a decade ago. <laughs> I just told you all how old I am. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh... For the
1: record, you're still a baby. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, that was totally worth it. Excellent.
1: All right. And so now let's talk about that house now. You don't own it anymore. You took that money, you moved up, you traveled the world, you invested in yourselves, you made new careers, you've quadrupled your income. Yep. You're different people now. That's awesome. But if you'd still owned that home today, what would that home be worth today?
0: Every home I've ever owned and sold, I regret selling, just so you know. That's a pretty common thing with people who own homes. Um, right now, I could rent that house probably for
1: $2,200 a month. Okay. So let's do that fast. 20, I did the conservative math. I did 2100 because okay. I, I like to be safe. That's fair. Just in case. So if you rented that home today for $2,100 and your mortgage payment was still the 1630 that it was when you got the house. Yep that means you are making $470 per month. It's not chump change, not chump change. Plus all the other things we talk about tax benefits and depreciation and all those other things, but direct into your pocket right now is $470 a month. And uh, before What we... can you do with an extra 470 a month? Oh I could gosh. buy a car. If I needed a car and I had no other way around it, if I did this, now that's paying for the thing that I need. Yeah. You could put that
0: towards your child's college fund. Mm-hmm. You could put that into your SEP or your IRA. Mm-hmm. You could there's so much $470 a month is life-changing money for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, it and it, you know, it would be would have been for us at that time. At, we ended up opting to sell because that was the thing that made the most sense for us. But not only would, could we have made $470 a month on that house at this point in time where we are now, but it's gone up a lot in value from the point we sold it. That house we did a little. I did a little look before we got on this call. That house is worth between three ninety and four hundred right now.
1: Well, that's I can't even do that math. That's one hundred and thirty five thousand dollars, roughly. Yeah, more than what you bought it for in two thousand at the end of two thousand sixteen. So five years later. And those numbers one hundred thirty five thousand dollars your house is appreciated. Yeah, and those numbers are based
0: on the idea that no improvements have been made. Like that's just that's me looking at what's sold nearby, looking at what similar houses have sold for, similar to how it was when you owned it, similar to how it was when I owned it. I imagine the new owner has made because everybody personalizes their home. I'm I'm betting she's made improvements, but yeah, it's crazy. Like hundred, what could you do with one hundred thirty grand? I want you to think about that. I want you to contemplate what that money would mean to you in your life and consider if it's worth the temporary
1: monthly increase in cost, because for me, it would be. It is. And what about the long-term effects of that? Even if you didn't do what Sorcia did and rolled up into a different life, different houses, and you just stayed in that house and continued to pay your mortgage down and experience appreciation. If you've experienced $135,000 roughly in appreciation in only five years, what's going to happen in 10 or 15 years when you're older or even further than that, when you've paid your mortgage to zero and 30 and you're looking to retire, you now have a home that has a ton of equity and you've just set yourself up financially for your retirement years that you did not do if you had stayed renting.
0: Yep. You, you can't appreciation when you rent your landlord's getting it and you're paying for it mm-hmm. but you can't do that you can't
1: take advantage of that um it's long-term wealth building we said a fact and i'm going to ruin it now because i don't remember exactly what it was but there was some percentage of people who own just one home in their lifetime whatever x percent amount of added wealth they have versus those who never own a home I believe that renters
0: have an average net worth of about $6,000 and homeowners have an average net worth, this is nationwide in the United States, of about 160000 Bingo. That's net worth. That's all their accounts and assets. And you can bet dollars to donut a huge portion of that is their homes. Of course.
1: Just one house gets you going. And generally, for many people, once you get over the hurdle of, I can buy a house and then I did it, it doesn't seem so scary. So everything else going forward gets a little easier. All of those scary things that you're not sure that you can accomplish with money or retirement things all get a little easier because you did the really big hardest one already.
0: Yep. And it's a lot easier to get into the next property. Like let's say you outgrow. Like it was a 1050ish square feet that house. Um we definitely at this point would be outgrowing that. We would have had to have if we if we didn't make the big change that we made. If we didn't, you know, sell off everything, travel the world, start a new business, start new careers for ourselves, if we didn't do that and we had just stayed in our miserable <laughs> jobs, yeah. continuing to take small pay increases over the years, um, we would have likely had to have moved eventually because We would have needed more space, but it wouldn't have been as big of an ordeal as it was the first time because you've been through it and you know what to expect. And we would have had a ton of equity. We could have bought. We could have put way more down on the next house, Mm -hmm. and that's that's like that's the advantage. You have no control over what your landlord raises your rent to. I mean, there are rental caps in certain cities and areas. There are certainly protections in place for tenants to prevent them from being, you know, overextended. Mm -hmm. However, like. You can't budget when you know it's hard to budget when you know your rent's gonna go up, you know, nine to 10% every two years or every year.
1: And it's hard. I own a rental property and we're right in rent increase season. These are things we're thinking through. I know that the tenants that I have have a pretty well fixed income and every year they get their standard cost of living raise. And how do we balance that with our rising costs of home ownership? But we're thinking about our tenants and if mortgage payments continue to go up or my expenses continue to go up and their rent continues to go up can they continue living in this house it's a it's a struggle for renters if your rent is going to continually go up but your yeah. income only goes up x amount what do you do and you that's those yeah. are the people who are constantly moving and looking for cheaper rent and then you have those moving costs
0: that you have to do like well if you're sitting there thinking i could still get rent cheaper i could still move every two years and and do this all for less money month over month Probably yes, but you need to take into account your moving costs every two years. It costs like four to six grand to rent a new apartment every time. The cost to rent the moving truck, the cost for your deposits, the cost for, you know, the cost that you encounter when you move into a new space and you have to buy things to make that space work for you. Um, Those are all, it's like most people spend about six grand moving apartment to apartment.
1: Yeah. So if you can find a way, if you can find a way to scrape up that cash to do those things... We can find a way to move that cash to a down payment on a home and help get you into a stable place where you now gain appreciation, have principal pay down and have a forced savings account Yep, going forward. And I, I also want to acknowledge, you know, the privilege that I had of parents who
0: were able and willing to help me buy a home. Not everybody has that. Yeah, I don't. Um, I didn't. Yeah, not everybody has that. And I, I want to make sure that I acknowledge that. And it's it is a, it is a privilege. It's a lovely gift. A, but but I we do want to make sure that we acknowledge that not everybody has that. However, we would have figured out how to do it no matter what because I was bound and determined. You don't look at a hundred plus houses without being bound and determined to own
1: yeah. a home. And there are ways we can help you find the ways to put you, put you on a plan to get you the down payment money that you need. There is such things still in certain areas as down payment assistance as grants. Yeah, we have them here in Portland. There are those things do still exist. You have to do the math to see if they make the right sense versus coming up with a plan of you getting the money yourself, but don't let that be your sticking point of not moving forward because all it takes is a plan to get to what you're trying to go to.
0: Yep. So, in conclusion, that is why I feel that buying is generally more beneficial than renting because it was for me, and it has completely changed the trajectory of my whole life. And if I can give you anything as a listener right now contemplating whether or not you're going to buy a home, it's that it. I, I think it will be worth it. I think you will not regret it because I certainly don't. No, nope. Most people don't. And on that note, I think we should bid you adieu, remind you to please like this it a thumbs up, subscribe, share it with someone who needs to hear this. Do you know anyone who's on the fence about buying or renting? Share this podcast with them. Even if you're not here in the Portland metro area, please do. Um, if you have questions about your area and agents to work with, if you're like, "Ah, oh man, I'm in Texas, but Sorsha is not licensed in Texas. I am not, just so you know, not licensed in Texas. That's okay. Um, I have a really big network of agents, great agents that I can connect you with. So please feel free to reach out to us. Mm-hmm. And- you know, don't let your circumstances or the amount of money you have or your income stop you from achieving your home ownership goals if that is something you want to do, because it's it's possible. Sure is. So thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.